just leave your hands in the air. Let's pray for Jerusalem. Father, right now we pray for peace in Jerusalem. Your words have exhorted us to do so. And there's chaos and turmoil and bombing and civilians are dying and people of God are dying. Hallelujah. They are your people, oh God. And they're in distress. And you have favored them. They are your prized possession. And so today as a body of believers here at Oak Grove Assembly, we call upon you on behalf of Israel. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Would you show out God for your people? Would you do what only you can do? Would you help the United States of America to have enough sense to stay on their side? Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. We want you. We want you. And we want what you want. And that's your people. That is your land that you promised. And I pray that you continue to take care of it. Sovereign God, show up today. May we see it in the news. May it be modern day miracle. Like you did in 1948 and on many occasions prior to that. Do it again, God. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Come on, give God praise for peace in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem. 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 The high priest. Jesus is our high priest. Amen. Over Jerusalem. God bless you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you don't know anything about Israel or Jerusalem, you better keep your eye on the Middle East. If you're talking about modern-day prophecy, you're talking about biblical modern-day prophecy, just keep your eye focused on the little slither of land (laughs) from Dan to Beersheba. I don't know why the whole world would like to capture this little slither of land from Dan to Beersheba. How many know because it's God's? God's anointed that place and those people. And we too, although we may not be ethnic Jew, we are God's people. I said, we are Oak Grove. We're God's people. I didn't mean to mess you up. We are. We're Oak Grove. (laughs) We're glad you're here. If you're visitors, we're happy you're here. We love the word of God. And uh, we love the God of the word. And the Holy Spirit is here. And he has preeminence. So we've been talking about revival. Now, we had to take a break for National Youth Day. Uh, We had to take a break for for a 75-year anniversary. We took a break. My wife preached powerfully on Mother's Day. And I missed you and I miss preaching to you. But if you don't say amen, I'm going to sit down and stare at you like you're staring at me. I love to preach the word of God and I so missed you. Tonight, I can't wait to get back to teaching the word of God. Sunday night, six o'clock, Family Life Center. And uh, we've been talking about the school of love. And um, in that school, many of you graduated this past week or some this next week. Uh, I think Brooke's brother graduated Friday. She was there with him, and you graduated, and that's great. My heart breaks for the young girl that uh, was graduating from Drury, Laura, and she had a car accident. That young lady broke my heart. She was graduating Friday, and she went. Uh, she had a terrible accident in the family. Our hearts go out to that family. Amen. And um, but a lot of people graduated, but the school of love, you never graduate from, and you never get a diploma. How many is in first grade in the school of love? Kindergarten still, huh? 
That's how I feel sometimes. Let's dive into the Word of God today. Uh, the third lesson on the series, on um, the fire of God, I want to talk to you about stirring up the fire of God in your life. So let's get started. Somebody shall stir it up. Stir it up. I don't know if you've ever been around a fire. Raw Rangers have been around fires. Hopefully tonight they'll get back to talking to our boys. Gary, we know how to stir up a fire, right? And, uh, you, you know, you need a fire if you're going to be out in the woods. And uh, I'm really not a, a camping kind of guy. I did go through the Royal Ranger program, and I did uh, uh, I did get uh, buckskin back in Louisiana. Uh, I think I have Louisiana friends back on the back row there. I think that is. I'm just trying to see if it looked like a... But uh, back in Louisiana, I uh, I got buckskin. That is about as high as you can go in the Royal Ranger program. And they brought me in the woods, and they taught me how to uh, start a fire in the woods uh, and boil an egg in a paper cup. You, you don't think it can be done. Neither did I. But when you put water in a paper cup, water doesn't burn. The cup burns and the water boils and you boil the egg in a paper cup. It's real. Go home and do that. Outside, outside, outside. Don't do it in your living room, folks. You can do it. It's a, it's a blast. And they uh, they gave me a rope, uh, uh, and they told me not to bend the rope. You've got to keep the rope straight. All a bunch of us were graduating from buckskin school. And uh, you've got to keep the rope straight. It's only we were in a uh, uh, in the woods where trees were. You could not keep a rope. It wasn't like walking down the middle aisle here. you got trees everywhere. So we had to, we had to try to find our way. You should try it sometimes. It's a wonderful ministry. Kind of like getting some of y'all to shout amen with me. It's not easy, but but uh, we make a fire, and uh, and so to start a fire, you really to, uh, we're not talking about start a fire. We're talking about stirring a fire, because I believe God already started a fire back two thousand years ago in the Book of Acts, chapter two. How many know we are a spirit filled church? We are a Pentecostal fellowship, and Revival Sunday. Uh, Pentecost Sunday is coming up next week, but we changed the date on it because we have that prerogative to put Pentecost Sunday wherever we want. But Pentecost means 50, Pente, 50, 50 days after the resurrection, right? 50 days after the resurrection, that's when the, the fire fell. I was waiting all this time for y'all, uh, Taylor and Chrissy. Love y'all. Can't wait to buy little Tommy some gifts, and it's going to be a blast. First Bible, I'm going to give him his first Bible, his first buddy barrel. His first, come on, Mary, we're going to give him his first little buddy, and uh, he's going to give money to mission. So. But... Um, so, so uh, uh, Pentecost Sunday is going to be uh, next Sunday, but we're going to celebrate it on, on June 13th. My church from my home church, my pastor is coming up here, Marty Harden and his wife, Dana. And they uh, were in our wedding. They were uh, friends of ours for many, many years. And he is going to preach on Pentecost Sunday where we put it. Okay? It's going to be good. So all these series of sermons are heading up to... I believe one of the greatest revivals is going to happen in our country. It may even happen in our county. It may happen whether you want it or not. Some of you may be shocked. I know heaven's going to be quite a surprise. There's a couple of things about heaven you need to know when you get there. One of them is there might be people there that you didn't think was going to make it. And number two, there might be people that wasn't there that you were for sure that was going to be there. So it's a surprise. Let's see what God wants to do. Amen. Second Timothy chapter one, stir the fire, verses three through six. Thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers. 
So I'm going to get to this next verse. Just watch this, okay? Stir the fire, Second Timothy 1, 3 through 6. So thank God when I serve, uh, whom I serve with a pure conscience. How many know it's important to serve God with a pure conscience? Not a hypocritical kind of way. Not this way one week and this way another week. How many know we have to have a sound mind, a disciplined mind? As my forefathers, now there's his mentor. So Paul's saying, my forefathers have served God. Now I'm serving God, right? So I'm like, like they did, as my forefathers did. As without ceasing, I remember you, Timothy, in my prayers, night and day. That's some serious love right there. Greatly desiring to see you, my Timothy, my mentee. I want to see you being mindful of your tears. I really care about you, young man. I mean, you got to get past the superficial relationships in your life. If you're going to make disciples, how many know you got to get in a little deeper? You can't just have a facade relationship. When I first got to Springfield, man, it's like everybody was so distant. Every church was distant. That church did their thing. Some of them still doing it. They're doing their thing. We're doing our thing. How many know we are the body of Christ? Unity is one of the keys to revival. Let me stop and say, Linda Brown said, Pastor, tell the church, Tell them, say thank you to them for praying for me. God, doctor gave her a good bill of health. Would you help me praise the Lord for that? That's a great, that's a great testimony, sister. But revival's coming. And we got, and we got to know this. And, and it takes people who really care. Unity is a key that I may be filled with joy, he said. Verse 5, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. Paul saw something in Timothy. Genuine faith. That, that's, that's the word I, I always like to tell people about Oak Grove. You know, we're not perfect. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not perfect. Turn back and say, neither are you, my friend. We're not perfect, but guess what? We are forgiven, and we're on our way to heaven. Amen? And we are the church. Amen? And said, so, so he said, I saw a faith in you, a genuine faith. And I, I tell people all the time, Oak Grove is genuine. Not perfect, but they're genuine. And he said, I saw that in you, and it first dwelt in your grandmother, Lois. Melissa mentioned this last week, and your mother, Eunice. And I am persuaded, Paul said, it's in you too, buddy. You got it. How many know that there's some people you just know they got it? They just get it, and they got it. You have it also. And uh, verse 6 is my text. Therefore, I remind you, I remind you, to stir up the gift of God. Stir it up. It's in you through the laying on of my hands. A side note, you have to remember 1 Timothy 4.14 says this. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, Paul said in chapter uh, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, uh, chapter 4, uh, verse 14. Don't, don't neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the elders. So before Paul ever laid hands on him to receive the gift of God here, uh, to stir up this gift that he received when the man of God laid hands on him. He said the elders of the church did. How I many know we need to be participating in raising up a generation and helping them stir up the gift of God that's inside of them? Laying hands on them, believing in them, pulling the potential out of them. We are Oak Grove, and if we're going to be here in another 75 years, how I many know we got to keep this thing going? It's got to be. So he's telling him this. Do not neglect that gift. And then finally... Second Timothy verse uh, seven, 2 Timothy one, for God has not, help me finish this. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of, let's say it together. Come on, people. 
I was raised Catholic. We ought to be able to do something in unison. Woman to say the Our Father, can't you do this? All right, try this. For God not ha- has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. How many know in America today, we could use a few people with a sound mind? There's enough people running around just half crazy. They're, I mean, just driving on the street down Lone Pine, and a guy's just texting, and I'm just, it's a two-way. I mean, you're either, you're either in the will of God and God's got your days numbered or I'm so glad my life is not in the hands of some crazy texter who's got his head down and he came all the way in my lane. There's nowhere to go. And I'm so glad God woke him up. And I tell you, don't text and drive. Somebody ought to shout and say amen to that. Good night. You know how much responsibility is there? That's not my message, but it's for real. I mean, if God wants me to die that way, so be it. I just don't want you to be the one to do it. Praise the Lord. Paul, in writing to Timothy, he gives a key to activating revival fire in our lives. Your pastors want you to stir up the gift in you. Fan the flame. Keep it burning. Like like rekindle the embers. You see that? Of the gracious gift of God. It's a gift of God. The Holy Spirit is a gift from the Lord. Is anybody glad to have the precious Holy Spirit of God? So Paul's saying, hey, you have a responsibility. Stir it up. And, and, and he gives us the key to activating that fire and fanning the flame, stirring it up. The verb used here is, is a metaphor for building up a dying fire. Who, who, who's ready for revival in here? I mean, I mean, there's some fires out there that are dying, that are dwindling. The longer the night goes, the lower the fire gets. You have to tend the fire. You have to, you have to blow on the embers. You have to, you have to fan the flame. You have to get the fire burning out. When brother uh, Rick DeBose was here, he talked about the fire in the tabernacle, in the temple. It had to be remain uh, burning all the time. And Eli's sons, remember they didn't, they didn't do their responsibility to keep the flames burning. In your marriage, you ought to be keeping the flame burning. In your spirit, you ought to be keeping the flame burning. In your church, in your town, how many of we got to stir the fire? Stir the fire of revival. So Paul's indicating there that we have to, that, that, that we have to blow on the embers that we, so, so Timothy, I'm certain is not, uh, his faith is not being accused of dying. I don't believe Timothy's faith is dying. I believe the mentor Paul is saying to young Timothy, hey, you have a gift, son. Stir it up. Don't let it die. Keep keep moving. Keep the flame burning. There's something inside of you. What your grandmother and your mother gave, you need to keep it alive. So keep it up, right? And it's a, defini- it's a definitive action. He's indicating that to fan the flame implies we must get close enough to the fire. How many ever started to try to restart a fire, rekindle a fire, and you're blowing on the, and the smoke is just coming in your eyes, in your face? Anybody? Let me see your hand. I'm so glad I'm not alone. You know how much smoke I choked on trying to rekindle a fire? You know how hard it is to get a fire that's going out to get started again? Well, just like this. I love you. I'm just teasing. I do want to encourage you, though, to fan the flame, stir up the gift, right? And so he urges him now to fan his gift into a strong, unquenchable fire, building up the fire. And he's, he's indicating 
that we have a responsibility. So for us to have a Holy Ghost revival, we must declare war against every principality, every power, every devil and demon, and prepare ourselves for revival. I don't believe it just happens. I know God can speak and anything can be done. But as I look throughout the New Testament, I see God partnering with the people of God and the miraculous things that are happening, right? It always seems to be a precondition for the miracle. Sometimes there's even a post-condition for some miracles. A precondition, whenever they ran out of wine at the wedding, Jesus said to Mary, Mary said, hey, we out of wine. He said, you tell them boys over there to fill the water pots. I mean, no, that's a precondition. If you fill the water pots, Jesus will do a miracle. If you don't fill the, how I many know obedience is important here? For you to have a miracle, you got to take a step of faith. Fill the water pot. And then he turned the water into wine. Whenever they were the 15,000 people and they were hungry and they had just two fish, I don't know how they thought they were going to feed everybody with two fish and five loaves of bread. There's some churches debating how they can really win the world with two fish and five loaves of bread. But how I many know we need Jesus? And Jesus gave him another precondition, said, hey, if, hey, he said, if you'll sit him down in fifties and hundreds and rows, and if you will, if you will have bless it, bless it, break it and, and distribute it, said, you'll see what I can do. How many know God can give us a revival? Now, I believe God could have spoke to the 15,000, said, be filled, and they would have all been full. How many believe God can? But that's not how he chose to work. He chooses to partner with you and me, the church, in preconditions of faith to see miracles happen. And he even does it in post-conditioned miracles. So, so whenever uh, Lazarus died, he's in the grave. Four days, Jesus comes, calls him out. And even though he was alive from the dead, Jesus said, untie him. How many know that's a post-condition? Untie that man and let him loose. And what I'm saying is, you and I need to realize that the fires of revival have not burned completely out. I wouldn't believe the devil. I wouldn't believe CNN or any other liars. Come on now. I would believe that God still wants to send a revival in our land. And all we have to do is precondition obedience. You got to blow on the embers. You got to stoke the fire. You got to stir the fire. You got to do something and participate. Prepare yourself for a revival. That's what Paul's telling Timothy because there's a real war out there and the spirit of God wants to be poured out, but we must stir the ashes, stoke the fire, fan the flames. And to have a higher flame requires a focused mindset. You got to get this today. You really got to get this. That's why we're in a series. We can't talk about revival in one sermon. We're going to be in here a while. Is anybody believing for a Holy Ghost filled revival? Anybody? Yeah, absolutely. And so Timothy was falling prey to intimidation. It's not easy to be Pastor Timothy in a world and a social culture that's pressing you and pushing you and telling you that you need to change your old ways, that baptism of the Holy Spirit and the evidence of speaking in tongues is an outdated message. I beg to differ. How I many know if it's still in the book, we're still going to preach it? That Jesus still saves by the blood. How I many know that's still the message of the gospel? It's still in the book, but people say, oh, you shouldn't be preaching a bloody gospel. How I many know oh, there is no other gospel? And that Jesus Christ is not on the cross. How I many know oh, he's alive and well? And if Jesus is alive and well, how I many know oh, the church ought to be alive and well? So I don't believe, listen, I don't believe the fires are out. I just believe they need to be rekindled. Can somebody say amen? We need to stir it. 
We need to stir it. And so Paul says to his little mentee and friend, he says, uh, I'm reminding you to stir up the fire in you. How does Paul know about fire? Well, back in Acts 28, 1 through 10, I'm glad you asked. Okay, because you got to get close enough to the flame if you're going to start the fire, right? And uh, and so Acts 28, 1 through 10, once everyone was accounted for, I love this story. Now, now you have the Red Sea in the Old Testament. You have the Jericho walls falling down. You have all these miraculous uh, events, but we don't really say that there's a whole lot going on in the New Testament. But how many know the Holy Ghost came down in Acts chapter 2? There was a sound from heaven that burst through, tongues of fire sat on each of them. How many know that's miraculous stuff? And all the miracles of Jesus we just talked about, it takes obedience and simple faith, pre-prepared for what God is about to do. So look at this story. It's pretty awesome. Paul sets sail, okay? And uh, and he lands uh, in chapter 28. He lands on this island, but but they came through a major storm, okay, a hurricane. And uh, once everybody was accounted for, we realized we had all made it. We learned that we were on the island of Malta. Somebody say Malta. I'm not talking about a vanilla or chocolate shake. The natives showed us extraordinary kindness and hospitality. For they kindled a fire and welcomed us all since it had begun to rain and was cold. Now, I don't know if you're going to get the picture today, but this is a story and a narrative I want you to get. Because some days are just hard. Some days you go through storms and shipwrecks and snake bites and all kinds of things. And life is not easy. But how many know if God gave you a word, you have a destiny and God has a plan for your life. And come, listen, doesn't matter what storm comes your way. If God told you something, it's going to come to pass. You got to hold on to that. You got to stir up that. You got to remember that. You got to hold on to faith and hope and believe that God has spoken to you and you have a destiny. And God has a plan for your life. So, so the, uh, the natives are kind to him. They rekindle the fire. They welcome Paul because it was cold and raining. But when Paul had gathered a bunch of, a bunch of sticks, a bundle of sticks, and laid them on the fire. How many know that's pretty key right there? A viper crawled out of the fire. Well, you talk about a bad day going worse. A viper crawls out of the fire because of the heat and fastened itself to Paul's hand. Now, I wanted to give you a sermon illustration with a, a fake snake, you know, hanging, dangling from my, and I wanted to build a fire on the platform. And, but this week we had got a call from Atlas about a smoke alarm, and I thought I'm not going to even tempt the Lord or anybody else. So so that, that snake fastened itself on his hand, and when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they began saying to one another, undoubtedly this man, Paul, is a murderer. And though he has been saved from the sea, he got through that trial. Justice, the, the avenging goddess, these, these are native, these are uh, godless people, has not permitted him to live. That's their first uh, judge, judgment. Uh, then, so, then Paul simply shook the creature off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. But they stood watching, expecting him to swell up and suddenly drop dead. Isn't that wonderful, encouraging people of God? But after they had waited a long time and had seen nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their mind. Isn't that the fickle culture uh, that we live in? They they, they are changing their mind every day. They don't don't know what they believe. And they began saying that he was a God. So first he was judged and now he is a God. They just going back and forth, back and forth. How many of the world is lost and they're searching? 
Come on, how many know the natives are restless and they're lost and they're searching and they're confused and they believe in this and they believe in that. And, and listen, this ought to tell you how far off the beaten path that Paul got from the time he left until the time. In fact, Paul prophesied before he left. He said, gentlemen, I don't think this is going to be good. But the captain, the, the sailor talked to the captain. The captain said, it's going to be good. So, so instead of listening to the man of God who had a prophetic word, they listened to the captain who was a professional. How many know if, if it comes to a professional or the prophetic, how many know you better choose the prophetic word of God? But if you don't, away in the storm you go. How many has ever felt like you've been in a storm and you were the one that jumped in it? You ever heard of a storm chaser? It looks like the apostle Paul's going there. Bear said, I'm a storm chaser. He said, he chases. God bless you, brother. I'm not going with you. You chase it by yourself and report back to me. Look at this. The, the prophecy from, remember the prophecy from Ethiopia just a few weeks ago? An Ethiopian pastor came here a few weeks ago. If you didn't hear that prophecy, he spoke it to me after they preached. I was on vacation and I got back home. He, he came to my office and told me the prophecy. He said when he was sitting in the church, he saw a vision and he heard audibly the Lord speak to him. Okay. He said he saw waters coming in through the foyer and filling up the sanctuary. How many know God can do this? And, uh, and it went up to the knees of everybody in the congregation. And then he said the next thing that happened was the waters had turned and was evaporated over our heads and began to rain down. Uh, that's the second thing. The waters rain down on the people of God at Oak Grove Assembly of God. How many is ready for the rain to fall on us? Healing rain. Hey, healing rain, peace, joy, all kinds of things is going to come from the presence of the Lord. And then, and then he said after that, there's going to be revealing of evil in the house. Did you know judgment starts in the house of the Lord? I mean, when God's rain begins to fall, the makeup begins to come off. You begin to see what's really under you. And so that's the prophecy. But we have a problem here because the people went on without listening. And Paul, the Bible says uh, that uh, the natives showed kindness and, and, uh, and Paul put some, some sticks on the fire, right? And this snake came out and bit him, fastened his, to his hand, right? Uh, but Paul shook off the snake into the fire and suffered no. I feel this is an incredibly important message. I do. I think it's an incredibly important message for our time. We're not Pentecostal just to be some denominational experience. I mean, no, Pentecost is not just a denominational experience. It is a person of the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit resides here. I said, the Holy Ghost is with us today. He's with us. He is not only with us, he is in us. And we are the church of the living God. We are the prophetic people of God with a gift inside of us. And Paul's saying to young Timothy, stir it up. You need to rebuild that fire. So I want to really look at this because I want to just take a look at, at some things that I think are important before we get into revival. Four things are essential to understanding revival. Number one is preparation. It's a spirit-praying church that's going to have a revival. The priority is the spirit, right? Committing ourselves to the spirit of God that, that provides complete access to all of life, all of our affections. I love the Holy Ghost. I said, how many here love the Holy Spirit? 
say, well, pastor, I mean, I love God. I love Jesus. I mean, no, we talk about God. We love Jesus. We talk about Jesus. But very rarely do we talk about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. But we need to revive that. I said we need to rekindle the doctrine of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need to rekindle the truth of who he is, the third person of the Godhead. He's real. And he's in us. And he's for us. And he's with us. Amen? It's going to take spirit praying. So we have to have complete access. If my people, I want you to see that. Second Chronicles 7, 13. We always read 14, but look at 13. I want you to catch this. Second Chronicles 7, 13. It's not up there. Just, just stay with me here. God says, when I, God speaking, shut up heaven and there is no rain, or when I command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people. God is doing all of that. I think when this day we've been giving the devil too much credit. God is sending all that to Israel so that Israel's eyes could be open so that they can call on the name of God, Yahweh. God sent it. But he said, when I do that, if my people, is anybody here today? You understand the scripture we all quote. If my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray, spirit praying. Not spirit playing. A lot of churches are playing. They believe in the doctrine, but they don't practice the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's not welcome. They have an agenda and it's too quick. We got to get in. We got to get out. We got things to do, places to go, people not to see. We're not purposed. If you're going to have Pentecost, how many know it's going to, it's going to result in souls? I said, the church began. We were empowered to be a witness. We don't just speak in tongues just to be spiritual people. We got power to win people like these natives to Christ. That's the goal. I hope you see the big picture here. Seek my face. Turn from their wicked ways. Then number two, we do it together. Spiritual unity. It's together. Voluntarily. We set aside egos and positions and personal preferences and petty jealousies and commit to whatever way and with whomever God wants to move in and through. How many know I don't really care how revival gets here? I don't care who he uses to get it here. I just want a Holy Spirit move of God. Doesn't matter to me who gets the credit, that church, another church, the church of God, even the Baptist can get it. I would be happy. I don't think you get shouted as much as I did, but I'm, I would be happy. In fact, I think there's some Baptist churches got more life than some of our Assembly of God churches. Why? Because they manufactured the same style of worship, but just because you have style worship doesn't mean you have a presence of the Holy Ghost. You can manufacture an atmosphere, but how many know Jesus can change your character in the presence of the Lord? So who cares who gets recognized? I say, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Let the Lord move in us and through us as we pray, as we get together in unity. Thirdly, it would take spiritual revival, surrender, right? Spiritual abandonment in Christ that submits to embracing an attitude of simple obedience and godliness. Basically, it's like this. Whatever God says or indicates, I am willing to do it. I wonder if anybody here would say, Pastor Ron, whatever God says to me, I'm willing to simply do it. He says, fill the water pots, whether I can comprehend why he wants me to put water in the pot instead of wine. How many know you don't have to debate with God? All you have to do is surrender to God. You don't have to understand everything. 
You just have to obey everything, right? And so God's saying, I want you to get this. Revival happens when you simply keep it simple, spirit-filled. And then reformation, the spiritual reforming, right? How did God do this? First thing, I think, I think that the place where they landed was pretty important. They landed in Malta. Man, they're a long way off their journey, okay? Where are they heading? Does anybody know where they're heading? They're heading to Rome. Paul got arrested for preaching. Are y'all hearing me? Does anybody know the Bible here? Got arrested for preaching, right? In Jerusalem, he said, hey, wait a minute. I appeal to Caesar. I'm going to go to Rome. See, Paul was both two citizenships. Not only was he a citizen of Israel, but he was also a citizen over in Rome. And so they couldn't do him anything because he's a citizen. And he appeals to the highest court. It'd be like, I'm going to see all the way to the Supreme Court. I'm going to go see Caesar himself. And they allowed him to. But how many believe God had a plan? Come on, how many believe God had a plan for the apostle Paul? He said, Paul, I'm going to send you to Rome. Can I tell you there's no snake or devil or storm or shipwreck in the world that can stop you from getting to Rome if God told you to go to Rome? And I think we need to catch this. Because here's the moral of the story. If, if, if I learned anything as a pastor over the last three decades, I learned that you never know what another person may be going through this morning. Really don't know. And we come in, we smile, and we worship, and we hide all of our hurts and our pains. And we even hug if we can, take off our mask and see. One of the benefits for some of you introverted people is you didn't have to talk to anybody for the last year. Probably was a, a big party for you. You know how hard it was for me? Oh, you wait till I can hug you. When I hug you, I'm going to break your back. Just about, just about. So, so people are hurting today. You don't know what they're going through. And God knows where you are and he's not, he's not planning to leave you regardless of, of how you feel right now. And so it may look like it's too late to beat cancer. How many know God hasn't spoken about it yet? It, it may look like it's too late. It's too late for you to get another job or a better job or whatever. How many know God has still not spoken yet? May you look like your marriage is over, but how many know Satan is a liar? He's not winning. God is on the throne. It's not over till God says it's over, right? And so your perception, listen to me, your perception is not God's reality. There's two things going on. There's that which is happening here on planet earth. And then there's that which is happening in heaven. How many know there's something going on in the heavenlies? And through the power of the Holy Spirit, through revival, through stirring up the gift of the Spirit, you have the absolute possibility, potential, to access what God is doing in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. We have power and authority in the name of Jesus. It's real. It comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is not just some denominational teaching. This is real. I have witnessed God myself when I didn't have enough intellect to understand somebody's problem by the power of the Spirit. He reveals things in the Spirit that you would never have known in your own cognition. God is God, and every man's a liar. So, your perception is not God's reality. You can't see the big picture. If God says you're going to Rome, how many know you're going to pack your bags? You're going to Rome. Even when you start out on the marina at the dock and tell them that's a bad hurricane and that's a bad decision, they do it anyway. So they head out to sea. 
And certainly, there comes the word of the Lord. You know, the word of the Lord has been given to Oak Grove before that he's going to start a revival in this area and you're going to be the spark and the catalyst. That word was given to this congregation before I came. Can I tell you, there wasn't a parade down Bennett and Oak Grove when me and Melissa and my family came in. There wasn't no parade. I didn't even know Oak Grove existed. But how many know God knows where Oak Grove is? And the Spirit of God has spoken a word of God, and it doesn't matter how long it takes. How many know if God said it, it is going to come to pass? It will come to pass. I'm believing it. Do you? So pack your bags. You're in it for the long haul. Hell can't stop you for God is for you. And when it's all over, your worst defeat will become your greatest victory. The end is only the beginning. What you are in right now will catapult you to where you're going to be. You know what? A lot of people sowed a lot of seed in this church over the last 75 years. How many know we are who we are because a lot of people invested in this place? A lot of souls, a lot of money, a lot of prayers, a lot of work, a lot of sweat, a lot of blood, a lot of, a lot of just hanging in there and holding on. Lots of families still here today. And so, if you survive the storm, how many know you can shake off the snake? You got to survive the storm. And, and you say, I don't know that I would have got in the storm. Well, you know, I, I got to tell you, as I take you through this, I don't know how we'll finish today, but, but basically, um, you know, God wants us to, to build this fire. And, and as we look at the story, Paul's steps are ordered by the Lord, right? Every detail, well orchestrated by God, all of it, even the survival of the storm. Because God showed up. Do you remember that at midnight? The angel of the Lord visited Paul and said to him, nobody's going to die on this ship. Nobody, the, 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 the ship itself is going to be broken in a thousand pieces, but everyone will survive. How I many know that's a word from the Lord that I would like to hear? It's better than, hey, the, the ship's going to sail, but all of y'all are going to die. I mean, that's a better word to say that the ship is going to fall to pieces, but you will live. And all of those 275 on the crew floated on driftwood, pieces of the boat, all the way to the island of Malta. How many believe that was a coincidence? Huh, coincidence. Oh, I believe in providence, not coincidence. I said, how many know God's still in charge? Whether you're in a, a storm or not, God's still in charge. Amen? And so the thought is that many times we're so preoccupied with the thoughts of the previous storm that we miss the real opportunity God has before us. Malta. Malta. What in the world is Malta? And how in the world did we get here? When the, when the shipwreck was going back and forth and tossed around. They had thrown everything overboard. They got rid of some. I mean, there's some things in your life you probably ought to get rid of too. Lighten up the load. You're about getting ready for a, a, a miracle, right? Threw it all overboard. And then they said that the wind and the ship just kind of went its way. And sometimes that's what we do in a storm. We just let the Lord do his thing. But we, we need to hold on. Hold on because God has a plan for your life. And Paul's steps are ordered by the Lord. He was caught in that storm, terrifying storm for weeks, finally shipwrecked on this tiny island. And we can't remember the storm without remembering the angel visit, right? The prophecy came before the problem, but they didn't listen to that. Remember Acts 17.10, men, I perceive this will not end well. But they went ahead and did it anyway. But verse 23, the angel visit came and God was faithful. They landed on the island and, uh, and the place was filled with pagans. 
pagans who had never heard of this man called Jesus. How many know God is at work? I said, God is at work in the middle of your storm. And you can just kind of wipe the sweat off your brow. You're wet. You're cold. You're exhausted. You're terrified. You're seasick. And you land on the, on the shore of Malta. And you're cold. And the natives welcome you in and say, hey, man, I can't believe y'all watched. We watched you guys. Y'all ought to all be dead. But the Lord was with you or somebody, the goddess of whoever was with you. So we welcome you. Come on in. Paul stayed in the chief's home. Everybody was taken, and they, they, and they built the fire, and they built the fire. And, and, uh, and the first thing you see happen here after that is that, that, that Paul, the first thing he did was he gathered some sticks. How I many know oh, the church needs to wise up and gather a few sticks? I said, we need to get some sticks to put on the fire. You can't just be a spectator in the coming revival in this church. You can't sit there and say, well, if revival comes, I'll be here to receive it. You know what fire is? Fire is a type of the Holy Spirit, and, and it gives warmth. Amen? They needed warmth. They were cold and tired. They were, they were exhausted from the previous storm, but they didn't miss it. They gathered some sticks. Paul did anyway, right? And, and then uh, he, he was confused and cold in a strange place, but he built the fire. Why? Because the fire warms. Fire warms. They needed to be warm. I tell you what, there's a whole bunch of pagans, people out there. I don't care what color they are or how much money they make or how confused they are. How I many know oh, they are in the cold, rainy, confused state of being? And God brought us right to their shores. So, Pastor, you act like you're going to Africa. How I many know oh, Africa might be easier than where we're at? This is America the third largest mission field in the world. Why? Because the whole world came to America. We can't speak their language. They can't speak our language. And some of them are learning. We're trying to learn, right? You know how well I speak Spanish. I'm trying. But but they're cold and they're wet and they needed to change their condition. The fire would do that. So he lit the fire. And he put firewood in there. He started adding tin, uh, tinder and kindling. And the fire would make, make their position known, right? They're lost. They're on a deserted island. They don't know where they are. They wanted somebody, uh, some ship somewhere to see the fire. And when you get on fire, how I many know oh, somebody's going to take note? And so the fire would make a place for them to tell others where they were. The fire would guard them from the elements. And, 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 uh, and the first thing, we have to do in a sea-tossed, half-dead world is to put another log on the fire. Say, well, Pastor, I don't know. Uh, I, I want to understand what you're saying. But I, what I'm saying is the fire was already started. They needed the fire. They needed the fire to help them. But the fire was already started. I'm not believing for a life of me that, that the thing is over. I think it's just beginning. Amen? You got to get prayed up. You got to be ready. Inform yourself and help yourself. And 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 I'm not looking for a new fire. I'm looking for the fire they had at Pentecost. I'm not looking for some new teaching. I'm not trying to recreate something that is acceptable to a culture that doesn't want the Holy Ghost. I want the old-fashioned power of God in the house. The same fire they had at Pentecost, I believe, is accessible for us today. Do you believe that? And so, 
I need some fire builders to help me. I think the fire in the assumes of God looks like it's out, but I, I've got a feeling if you gather a few sticks and just throw it on the fire, how I many will it'll get a little bigger? If you get down close enough to the fire and breathe on it, I believe God will help us. I said, we got general counsel coming up in just a, a few months. I mean, oh, we need revival in the assemblies of God. We certainly do. And so I don't think it's outdated. It may be outlawed, but how many know it's not going to be outdated? And I'm here to say that I'm still seeing glowing of the ashes. I'm ready to stir up the fire in 2021. The problem is not that the, the fires are out. It's that the ones gathering sticks, there's nobody doing it. Nobody's stoking the fire. Nobody's stirring the fire. Nobody's gathering sticks. I mean, you just can't sit there and hope it happens. Somebody's got to come to church prayed up. When the altar's called uh, or given, somebody's got to respond. When God speaks to you, you got to obey. When we have when we have a, a altar call, somebody has to get up and say, "I want the Holy Spirit." Why are we not seeing people baptized in the Holy Spirit today? Have you ever asked that question? There wasn't a weekend used to go by we didn't have people baptized in the Holy Spirit. What changed? Did the atmosphere change? Or did the fire dwindle down? Is it not popular? Who cares about popularity? We need the Holy Ghost. Amen. Another reason people refuse to stir the fire is because they're afraid that the fire get out of control. Didn't that happen to us? In the assemblies of God, they had a few wildfires and people got in the flesh and, and that happened. People got scared of the wildfires. It's out of control. If you've seen anything about the fires in America over the last few months, they do get out of control. But if you see the firefighters, they will take and they will dig a trench and they will put a whole lot of water in there and then they will fight the fire with fire. How I many know we got to have fire in our bosom to be able to fight the fire that's out in that culture? The Holy Spirit fire is the fire that's going to work. Amen? It has to be fed. you got to know this. It has to be fed. You have to keep feeding the fire. You have to keep stirring up the gift. You have to keep blowing and, 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 and adding. You can't wait and hope it gets better. You have to build the fire, even in your own life. David had to learn something. He had to learn how to feed the fire when nobody else around him wanted to, when he didn't even feel like it himself. The Bible says he encouraged himself in the Lord. Amen? He feed the fire. Most of us are feeding our flesh, and the fire is going out. You have a choice. You can't, you can't do that. David had to had to encourage himself. Everybody else, listen, you can't wait for everybody else to feed your fire. You have to feed it yourself. Feel like it or not, feed the fire. Somebody shout, feed the fire. Notice this. There's no mention of anybody else feeding the fire. The apostle Paul himself, 275 of the crew, he's the prisoner. Maybe that's why they made him do it. Or maybe he was cold enough and wet enough and desperate enough to feed the fire. You know what uh, Leonard Ravenhill said? You know when the church is really going to have a Holy Spirit-operated revival? is when they're sick and tired of living without it. Our culture needs us to build the fire. They do. Say, Pastor, what do I build the fire with? I'm glad you ask. I've got 10 minutes to raise the dead. <laughs> Dry things in your life. If there are any dry things in your life, I mean, no dry wood catches faster than anything out there. I'll never forget. I was here about, I don't know, 
three or four years at Old Grove, and I and Brother Trask was our superintendent. We love Brother Trask, and surely we love them. They were great superintendents. And uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to me that we're going to see a revival in Springfield. Okay? You can doubt that all you want to. If he spoke it to me, I'm going to believe it to my little dying breath. So I said, I'm going to go tell the superintendent. So I marched on over to, to 1445 Boonville, went up to the third floor, said, can I speak to Brother Trask? He said, absolutely. So I walked right in, and Brett, Pastor was there. And I said, Pastor, I got to tell you something. I won't take long. He said, come on in, Ron. And I said, well, I just got to tell you real quickly, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and I believe we're going to see a revival in Springfield, Missouri. And he sat back in his chair, and he put his, his uh, you know, like that, really extinguished, I mean, uh, distinguished. And he said, Pastor Ron, there's great potential. I mean, oh, dry wood catches on faster than any wood out there. If there was ever a dry day in Springfield, Missouri, it was a few years ago. I don't know if it's drier now than it was then. But I can tell you what I know. I know that the same amount of Christians 20 years ago is the same amount of Christians we have in our city today. So how's that possible? Hundreds are getting saved every weekend at these churches. No, they're not. They're going from one church to the other. They're only changing seats. They're not changing souls. How's that possible? Revival means souls are saved. You don't change the chairs on the Titanic. And so another thought about this fire is <laughs> that you can, you can throw wet wood in there. It burns too. Not only just dry wood, but wet wood. I mean, oh, I don't care how much evil and violence and prejudice and wickedness and perversion. I mean, oh, you throw all that in the fire and watch it burn. How many believe in a nation that's still uh, allowing abortion to go on, we can still see a revival? In fact, if we'll stand our ground and keep on praying and keep on working and keep on believing, how many believe God can turn this around? Now, listen, you can turn a little small boat around pretty quickly, but the Titanic takes a little while to turn around. So don't give up on the assemblies of God. And don't give up on the God of the assemblies. Amen? He's the real one. The fire brought something else out. The fire, <laughs> you can, you can have all kinds of things to feed the fire with, but I don't have time. You're prepared things in your life. I mean, we got more professionals than we do preachers today. Uh, and you can prepare yourself with the word and prayer and fasting. You can do a lot of things to help yourself get ready for revival. Uh, but you need to know that the fire could bring out the serpent. The fire could bring out the serpent. I've been a part of revivals in the past. And how many know the devil doesn't like it when the fire starts to building? Satan can't stand it when the church gets on fire. And so he jumps out of that fire, the very fire that, that Paul was trying to build. You talk about something else here. <laughs> Nobody else is building the fire. He throws a log on there. And, uh, and there came a serpent out of the heat. And Satan will not bother cold, lifeless church people. But as soon as the fire begins to stir in your spirit, he will raise his ugly head. Understand the enemy attacks you, not because you're foolish things you used to do, but because of the incredible things you're about to do. God wants to do something with our church. Does anybody believe this? The storm drove them here and there. But I'm just here to tell you as your pastor, we can't be driven by the storm. 
we got to be driven by our destiny. we got to be driven by the word of God. If God said it was going to happen, it's going to happen. Hold on. Hang on to the driftwood. Get on to Malta. And even if you make a fire and a snake bites you, all you got to do is shake it off. Somebody shout, shake it off. Just shake it off. He didn't panic. He didn't worry about it. He didn't freak out. All he did was say, I can't believe. Look at this thing. And I wonder where he got that from. Jesus said, I've given you authority that you can tread upon snakes and serpents and scorpions, right? He just shook it off. What do you do when you get in the middle of a storm or a fire comes out of your, (laughs) and a snake comes out of your fire and burns you, bites you? It didn't just bite him and let go. It fastened to his hand. How many know that's a stronghold? That thing got a hold of Paul. He had hit them. I don't know how many times it took to shake it, but he had to shake that thing off, right? Somebody needs to shake something. Nothing's happening by chance. He knew God was taking him to Rome. So when the storm and the shipwrecks come, you need to know your destiny. You can't be driven by your past or the present. You can't be driven by the pathetic, right? But the prophetic. You got to know what God has spoken. I believe God's going to do something incredible in this, even in this service today. Say, Pastor, I'm having all kind of nightmares. Why don't you shake them off in the fire and have some dreams? You have a choice. You can believe what you want to believe. You know, I'm not here to, to speak a curse on the church. I'm here to speak a blessing on the church. I believe we're going to make it. I mean, oh, it's going to be all right. Turn to your neighbor and say, you, you know what? We're going to make it. Tell them, we're going to make it. You may not look like much when you get there, but you're going to make it. Never let your problems drive your direction. Quit being led by what you see and start being led by what God says. He speaks. He's already spoken. Quit being led by the past mistakes and understand he has some future miracles for us. Quit being led by your feelings and start being led by faith. The just shall live by faith. Amen? Quit being a victim and everybody's, no church is having revival. Listen, there is somebody who's going to have a revival. Somebody's going to have a revival. Might as well be us. I'm ready. How about you? The serpent latched onto his hand, the hand that was feeding the fire. Notice what Paul didn't do. He didn't freak out. Satan will do anything to keep you from being on fire. Look what else I see. And real quickly here, uh, the fire could also bring out the critics. All the natives begin to criticize Paul. When you have revival, how many know everybody knows everything? Everybody's so smart. So smart. They're so smarter than anybody else. I think we might have just educated ourselves out of the Pentecostal experience. You know what happened to the Methodist church? They used to call them the shouting Methodist. All kinds of manifestations and the glory of God. And it all wasn't very long where they got edumacated. They're smart. Everybody's so smart. They know when God's going to move, how God's going to move, where God's going to move. They know everything about church. But they don't have the power of God. When Satan shows up in the fire, critics look for some opportunity to judge you or, or judge what God is doing. Sounds like the sins of God sometimes. Notice what they whispered in verse 4. God is judging Paul, the enemy of God declares the church is going down. The serpent has won. The devil is a liar. I said the devil is a liar. The church is not defeated. How many know we are the people of God? We are the church of the living God. We're going to see the greatest days we've ever seen. 
the enemy of God declares we're not. Instead, I like what Paul does. He shakes off the serpent in the fire. He didn't defend himself. He didn't deal with the serpent on his own. He just threw the devil in the fire. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to throw a few devils in the fire. Trying to reason with the devil. You know, I talk to people who try to reason with the enemy. You can't reason with the devil. Have you ever tried to reason with a drunk? I've tried to win people to the Lord. Who were absolutely cracked out of their head. You might as well just talk to that wall right there. They're seeing all kinds of pink elephants. How you think you're going to get the gospel into their mind? I mean, unless God does a miracle and sobers them up, their cognition is not going to be able to do it. And for you to talk to the devil or reason with the devil and try to compromise at the table uh, with the devil, how I many know oh, that's a bad idea? And our culture is trying to chum up with the world, chum up with the church, church of the world that's carnal and, and trying to say, we got another plan. How I many know oh, there is no plan B? There's only a plan G. How I many know oh, it's plan God? Amen. And so, and so this is what happened. He shakes off the serpent in the fire. When the snake bites you, you have to remind yourself, devil, you picked the wrong day to bite Pastor Ron. Come on now. How many feel like that? Somebody have to get some soul in your spirit, right? You picked the wrong day. I am a child of the living God. I carry the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I'm blessed and not cursed. I am the head and not the tail. Somebody needs to serve notice on the devil today. I am blessed and I am encouraged. I have courage born out of adversity. Devil, I've already been through the storm. I have been shipwrecked and I have made a fire. And this snake is not going to stop me from getting to Rome because God told me to go to Rome. And if God told me to go to Rome, I'm going to Rome. Come on, somebody say, I'm going to Rome. If God told Paul to go to Rome, that's why he shook it off. He says, what are you doing? I gotta get, I got places to go. I've ordered by God before Caesar. Get off of me, devil. So you might have to stop by Malta before you get to Rome. And Malta is the place where people give up. I'm here to encourage somebody. <laughs> I can shake off what the devil sends down. How many movers and shakers do we have in here? I've been shipwrecked, imprisoned. I'm a survivor. And no snake is going to stop me from getting to my destiny. I've been given authority. And no matter how you come at me, I'm going to win. I don't know how, how cold it has to get, how carnal, how stale. Our culture has to get before the fires of revival are burning bright enough for people in the world to see it. You know, every week somebody's looking at you. They watch you when you leave your house. They watch your garage door open on Sunday morning. And you see it open up again on Sunday evening. And they're wondering to themselves, why do those people go to church so much? And they're out there cutting their grass while you're over here praising your God. They're over there in their boat fishing while you're over here worshiping and giving, surrendering and sacrificing. But how many know there's a day coming when that fishing trip is not going to fulfill them anymore? 
and they're going to have a problem with their child or their grandchild or something's going to happen in our world so evil that they're not going to be able to back up. It's going to affect their family. It's going to affect their finances. It's going to affect their faith. It's going to rock their world. And when it happens, they're going to be looking for a Pentecostal church that knows how to get a hold of God. Burning with revival. Can you imagine if some sick people came in today and we didn't even have an altar? There wasn't no prayer warriors. Everybody leaves before I even finish preaching because it's 1130. You can go now. It's 1130. Taking medicine, take off. The natives expected him to die. They said he's going to blow up and swell up and die. But it didn't happen. Can I tell you, (laughs) quit getting mad at everybody else. Just shake it off. Just shake it off. I know, I know our politics and our world and our government and our finances and I know there's all kind of crazy things. I think, I think, uh, your boy Bill Gates wants to, to try to stop the sun from shining on the earth, keep it from global warming. How smart is he? How about he just try to learn how to run his own family? And so, uh, I, I just need people who will be willing to stir the fire, stir the fire. Don't worry about saving the earth. Worry about saving your soul. How do you respond when the serpent attacks you? I shake it off, right? I shake off rejection. I shake off closed doors. I shake off negative spirits and failures and complacency and apathy and unbelief and bitterness and fear. You got to shake it all off. God didn't bring you through the storm, the shipwreck, only to have you get bit by a snake and die. That's not the the will of God. Snake bites are only speed bumps. I hate speed bumps. Not that I speed or anything. But when I go to the bank, okay, there's some heavy-duty speed bumps right off of, of, um, (laughs) oh, man. I go all the way around the block to avoid those speed bumps. One, because I don't like going that slow. Number two, because I don't want to tear in the front end of my car up. I mean, they are some serious speed bumps. And when you hit a speed bump in life, I mean, it will affect you. It could give you whiplash. It could throw you out of sync. So you got to throw it in the fire. Throw it in the fire. And I want you to see this because we got to close. Chrissy, come back and give them a little hope. Revival fires, listen, is only the beginning. It's only the beginning. He shakes it all off in the fire. And no harm comes to the Apostle Paul. Would somebody help me give God praise? No harm comes to the man of God. No harm. All of that. All of that judgment, all that criticizing. And when they saw that no harm came to Paul, they were like, wow. Wow. He's a God. That is the extremes, right? Not a God. Now he's God. That's about as fickle as the world can be. So the Holy Spirit was already at work on the island. God orchestrated every detail, even in the storm. Because of the storm, they were in a strange place called Malta. Because of the cold, they started up the fire. Because they stoked the fire, the serpent came out of the fire. Because the strength of shaking the serpent off in the fire, no harm was done to him. And revival broke out in that town for three months. Three months. Because, you remember now, Paul's staying at the house of the chief. And the chief got a fever. Go ahead and read it later when you go home. If you read your Bible, three months, the chief gets a fever. Paul goes over there and the same hand that got bit by the snake heals the man. 
That's what God can do. I said, that's what God can do. Then all of a sudden, all the natives, they, wow, wow. And so they started bringing all the sick people. You read it, it's a pretty powerful story. All the sick people came in. Paul laid hands on them and they sick and the disease and they came and they were all healed. And when they left, the people in Malta gave Paul all he needed to head to Rome. And he got to Rome. He got to Rome. Now remember why he was going there. He was going there to die or to stand before Caesar. Scholars don't know if he died in Rome or if he went and left Rome and came back and died, whatever. He went there to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And he was treated very well as a citizen of Rome. He rented his own place. I know he had a guard 24 hours a day with him, but still in all, he had visitors, dignitaries, upper echelon, people from Caesar's palace were getting saved. They were all coming to Paul. Paul was having a little bit of tea or something, coffee. Every day for two years. People are getting saved in Rome. In Rome. Isn't it amazing what Rome has turned out to be? Do you know about the island of Malta I was studying? That island today is 95% Christian. Christian. I know that's what God can do. And you thought you were just shipwrecked, storm-driven, and snake-bitten. But in reality... I mean, oh, God has a plan for your life. Come on, I want you to stand with me. Stand with me all over the building here. Who would ever guess the outcome? I don't know what your need is, but our time is running out. So we ain't stir up the gifts so the world can see us burn. Amen? We got we to gotta do it. It's time. It's time to get off the pew and, and gather some sticks. It's time to stoke the fire and build up the fire. Stir up the gift that's in you. It's time to open up your spiritual eyes to what God is really doing and prepare the way for us to shine in a very dark world. It reminds me of Jonah and Nineveh. Jonah didn't want, <coughs> Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh, those wicked people who had no hope. And it was useless in Jonah's mind, but it was limitless in God's mind. God has you right where you are for a reason. You hate your job? not by accident that you're there you hate Springfield it's not by accident you're here I mean oh God providentially has you where you're supposed to be right now so I'm believing for a revival so great on the news the other day I'm finished on the news the other day I saw that the squirrels in New York City are attacking people anybody see that I got a pellet gun would stop that right away, but I don't know if that's legal. Anyway, squirrels are jumping on people in their front porch, scratching and clawing. It's, it's amazing. Vicious squirrels. How many know the revival that happened in Nineveh's day? Even the animals got saved. How many know God can do a miracle in America that even the squirrels can get sanctified? Stop biting and chewing on everybody. Squirrels are our least of our worries. Our children are in trouble, are committing suicide, trying to, taking drugs. Methamphetamines is killing a generation. There's a lot of things going on in our culture, and we need to stir up the fire. We're going to sing to the Lord. I went over 10 minutes. I'm not sorry. You needed it. I enjoyed it.
these altars are open. How many would say with Pastor Ron today, we need revival. We need revival. If that's your heart, whether it's personal revival in your own spirit or whether you think uh, in our community we could use it or whether you believe our nation could use revival, I want you to make a way to this altar. Come on, you got time to go and do whatever you got to do this afternoon. Come back later. But I want you to intercede. If nothing else, you say, Pastor Ron, I don't have nothing to pray about. I have nothing to pray about. Why don't you pray for Jerusalem? Pray for open doors. Revival fires, open the doors. Doors were open all over Malta because God sent Paul there. If he has to shipwreck you, abandon you to the island that you have no idea about, to people you have no understanding about, don't even know their language. If God has to put you on the beach of some foreign country, I don't care how he has to do it. I want souls to be saved. I want revival fires to burn. I want the gift of God that is in every one of you to be stirred. Now let's ask God to breathe. Come on. Our mighty God has a breath and he's ready to breathe fire in your spirit. Whatever embers, whatever embers are glowing and barely blooming, whatever flames are still there. I know it's not over till God says it's over. Come on, let's worship the Lord. Let's ask God. Stir 